Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. You said you're ready to get in the Word? All right, grab your Bible. Go with me to the book of Philippians, chapter number 4. The book of Philippians, chapter number 4. And I'm going to read just one little passage to you, just a couple of verses here. The book of Philippians, chapter number 4. And I'm going to start reading with verse number 5. When you get there, say amen. Amen. Philippians 4, verse 5. I need you to help me preach this this morning. You ready? You said you ready? Philippians 4, verse 5. Let your moderation be made known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Let your moderation, let your balance, let your balance be made known to all men. The Lord's at hand. Be careful for nothing. That word careful is actually a poor translation. It's actually the word anxious. Everybody say anxious. Everybody say anxiety. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Joey, bump me up a little bit if you would, brother. And the peace of God, hallelujah. And the peace of God, which passes understanding, can't even explain it, shall keep, that's a poor translation, it actually means shall guard your heart, and your mind through Christ Jesus. And he's not done yet. Finally, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. I want to preach on the subject this morning, when anxiety attacks. When anxiety attacks. You know, whenever we talk about the peace of God, I've heard people preach about it and talk about it. We always have this idea that it's just this really wonderful, warm emotion, and we call it peace. That's not what the Bible means at all when it talks about peace. The actual definition of the word peace means nothing missing, nothing broken. So when there's peace in your life, that means there's nothing missing, nothing broken in your life. It means your body is healed. It means your money's right. It means your walk with God's right. It means your husband or your wife's right. It means your kids are right. It means your mind's right. It means there's nothing missing and there's nothing broken. Now, a lot of times you hear people talk about that's That's language people use all the time. Anxiety attacks and panic attacks and anxiety attacks and panic attacks. There's actually a big difference. A panic attack is when you melt down over something that's happened. You ever had one of those? <laughs> Amen. Panic is when you react to something that happened in the moment. It's different from anxiety. Anxiety is when, not when you melt down, not over what happened, but over what could happen. And so the enemy doesn't even have to take it from you 
whatever you're believing God for, if he just takes the joy and the peace from you, it is as though he took the thing from you that you're believing God for. That's why your Bible says that he doesn't want to just destroy. He wants to kill and destroy. But he doesn't just want to kill and destroy. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy doesn't even have to take God's blessing out of your life as long as he takes your joy over God's blessing out of your life. For some of us, he hasn't robbed from us, but he might as well have. Because we can't enjoy what God's given us because of anxiety. Am I right about it? It's when you, it's when you wake up early and go to bed late, can't eat right, can't think. When you have no peace, joy and peace are so different because when somebody's joyful, you can see it. And when somebody's not, you can see it. Right? People wear joy on the outside. Or they wear, you know, a lack thereof on the outside. But peace is internal. And anxiety is internal. It's like women having a hot flash. Huh? Y'all all right? Could be in a building 50 degrees and they burning up because there's a heat coming from the inside. And that's what anxiety is. It's an attack that happens on the inside. It's a struggle and a war that happens down in your soul that People can't even detect that you are being robbed from the very joy and the peace that God wants to give you all because of anxiety. So Paul gives us a beautiful prescription for how to deal with this. Are y'all with me this morning? He starts in chapter in verse in verse five. He starts with this. Let your moderation be made known to all men. He gives us the disease and then gives us the solution and says the first step is let your balance be made known to all men. In order to cure anxiety, you've got to find balance. I'm, going, I'm setting you up. Hang in here. Balance tells me you're mature. You ever met those people that when one thing's wrong, everything's wrong? My wife asked me the other day, we were driving, this was a couple of weeks ago, and we, I don't even know how we got on the topic, and we got on the topic of marriages. And she said, and out of nowhere, women ask these questions to men, and I don't know why, and it's not right, and it's unfair. Like when you say, does this dress make me look fat? And we have to pretend we're like, what? What was that? I didn't hear you. What? I can't, I can't hear you. And she said this, there's no right way to answer this. Tell the truth and be punished. Or lie, and she can detect the lie and then be punished for lying and then be punished for the thing she thought she was going to say. She said this. She said, what's the most frustrating thing about our marriage to you? I'm driving down the road. I'm, I'm trying to live and survive on I-40. What? <laughs> What's the most frustrating thing about our marriage to you? What in God's name is the matter with you? She does that stuff at midnight. I lay down, ready to go to sleep, been working all day. She's like, what do you love the most about me? Are you kidding? 
What made you fall in love with me almost 20 years ago? I don't remember. All I know is I still love you. Isn't that enough? Talk to me, somebody. Isn't that enough? I need a man to at least give me an amen. Wave at me, brother. Let me know you're with me. What's the most frustrating thing about him? This, this right now is the most, <laughs> this right here. I'm driving down the road. What's the, most, what's, what's the most frustrating thing about our marriage? And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, nothing, baby. It's wonderful. Now, don't, st- you're lying. Stop, you're lying. I'm like, the fact that I get called a liar, that's pretty frustrating. That gets up under the skin just a touch. She said, what's the most frustrating thing? So she was making me answer, so I, was, I, had to, I really had to think about it. And then I really started trying to think about it. And I was really thankful that I had to put some thought into it. Because some people, what's the most frustrating? You don't even get the question out. They're like, oh, ho, ho, where do I begin? First of all is mama, and then his sister. That's a good place to start. And then his job, and then, and then on and on. And I had to think about it. I said, let me think about it. She's like, all right. And so silence. And then it dawned on me, and this really, truly is the most frustrating thing about my marriage. I told her, I said, I'm going to tell you the truth. And this, 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 this gets me in a way that's unnatural. It's, it's uncommon how angry this makes me. I said, but when you drive both the cars and you run them both out of gas... And then the devil sees to it that I'm going to be in a hurry for something. And I walk out there, and it's like negative 48 miles to empty. The car tells you. Men, where are you at? The car lets you know. And it gives you a good cushion, 50 miles to empty. And so I got to throw all of my day in a, in a whack because it was too inconvenient, inconvenient for you to pull up and put some gas in the car. And then I started getting mad thinking about it. So... I wish I could get a little respect in this house. I wish somebody could just take my small request and say, you know what? I don't think you're being. Then I started preaching. That's what happens when you're married to a preacher. Everything's a sermon. Cut the lights off. (laughs) Touch three. Touch your sister and say, cut the lights off. High five somebody and say, daddy said, cut the lights off. But then we started talking about it. She's like, oh, stop. And I'm like, you don't know. I'm not. I'm not. This isn't funny. <laughs> Nothing about this is funny. But then I thought, you know, out of all the problems we could have, even though filling up the gas tank ain't right, as long as everything else is right, I can view this with some balance. But it is a sign of immaturity when if one thing's off, everything's off. Everything in your life is not off. 
Your money might not be right, but thank God you're still healthy. Your kids might not be serving God the way you want them to, but thank God your marriage is right. Your job, it might not be the job that you want, but thank God you got a job. You got to learn how to deal with anxiety by seeing things through some balance. Are y'all with me this morning? It ain't all that bad. I've seen marriages detonate over one problem that looked like a million problems. You hear me? When you fight about everything, you're really fighting about nothing. So the issue isn't that you can't get along. The issue isn't his mama. The issue isn't his job or her job. The issue is communication. And if we could fix one thing, we could fix everything. So instead of looking at your marriage and saying, they're not the one, nobody could be married to them, it is impossible for us to get along. If one thing's off, it makes everything seem off when you're immature. Listen, age does not necessarily equal maturity. I have met old fools. Anybody with me on that? So his first step is you got to see this through some balance. Let your moderation be known. It ain't never as bad as you think it is. You ever get in a tight spot financially and you're afraid to look at it? Talk to me, church. You're like, oh, God. I think I, think I owe $4 million on that credit card. <laughs> Mama been going to work. <laughs> but when you look at it, it's never as bad as you think. I mean, it could be bad, but it ain't that bad. There's very few things in your life that are that bad. But our minds, whatever we put in our minds, automatically expands. So when we put anxiety in our head, it blows up. You ever been so frustrated about something and you call somebody to go off to them and they give you just a little dose of perspective and then you feel like an idiot? You're like, well, you got a point. Call him to go off about your spouse. He ain't talked to me in three days. I can't believe it. He's, not, he's been working 14, 16-hour shifts. The man can barely walk. Give a brother a break. Well, you got a point. But when one thing was wrong, everything was wrong. And then he goes a little bit deeper. Let your balance be made known to everybody. And be anxious for nothing. And then the next solution that he gives all involves you speaking. Because nothing moves till you speak. Anxiety thrives in silence. God cannot break what you will not talk about. Remember that story in Mark chapter 10 where the Bible says Jesus is walking down the side of the road and Bartimaeus is blind and he starts crying out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus ignores him. The disciples tell him to shut up. He keeps praying, Son of David, have mercy on me. You remember that? And Jesus stops, walks up to a blind man and then Jesus asks him this, what do you want me to do? Take three guesses. <laughs> Looking at a blind man, what do you want me to do? Why would you ask 
such an obvious question. Because even Jesus cannot heal what you will not admit. So he said, if you want to get this anxiety out of your spirit, be careful for nothing, be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, you got to open your mouth and start talking to God about it. I know preaching on prayer is kind of old school and outdated now, but we need a church that'll go back to getting before God in prayer. Everybody likes to worship. I'm preaching right. Everybody likes to worship and everybody likes to praise and everybody likes to shout their way out but sometimes shouting won't do it for you you can praise your way into joy but you can't praise your way into peace you gotta pray your way into peace that's why he said my house will be called a house of prayer one of the most exciting things one of the things I'm the most excited about about our new building is we can still we got somewhere we can go pray we got somewhere where we can go lay before God. I need somebody. Oh, I feel it. I want a place where I can go lay before God. I want an altar that I can go walk up and down. I need some chairs that I can lay some hands on and say, God, every person that comes in here that's depressed or bound or struggling, God, break the chains. I don't want to build a church on anything if it's not built on prayer. Is there anybody with me? You got to learn to pray again. If you would spend half the time praying that you do gossiping and complaining about it, God could break it. We got to go back to prayer. Go turn me up. Is there anybody with me? I said we got to pray again. I know it's old school. It's a, when's the last time you heard a good message on prayer? Huh? When's the last time somebody told you, this is the answer that you need? Go lay before God and don't get up until heaven opens and kisses your... I feel, man, I feel it this morning. When was the last time somebody said, this is what you need? Go get a hold of the horns of the altar and you call on God and you don't get up until you know that that situation has broken. My wife's grandmother, my wife's grandmother's an incredible, incredible woman of God. I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm believing God for an organ. I need somebody in with that. Y'all don't know. Y'all are like, hmm, what is that familiar? My wife's grandmother, phenomenal woman of God, unbelievable woman of God. Her daughter got sick when she was a baby, thought she was going to die. Thought she was going to die. So she was at the hospital. They were believing God for her. She was calling. Her, her little daughter was screaming, writhing in pain in the hospital, a little baby girl. I think she was less than 10 years old. And my wife's grandmother said, I made up my mind. Let me tell you something. When the grandmothers used to say, I made up my mind, that meant something. That meant I'm going to go stand and I'm going to fight. And either that situation's going to die or I'm going to die. But one of us has got to go. She went home. And she had a little basement. In her basement was a prayer closet. And she was telling people, I'm going to go pray for my baby. 
and she's going to get up out of this hospital bed. She said, don't call me unless there's a miracle report. Don't check on me. I don't want anything to eat. And she said with each step that she took down that basement, she had made up in her mind, the devil is a liar. And I'm about to break this curse off of my baby. I don't know how long I'm going to have to stay down here. I took my watch off upstairs. Didn't have cell phones back then. Canceled all my appointments. I ain't too busy to go get before God. And she made up in her mind, I don't know if it's going to be a day. I don't know if it's going to be an hour. I don't know if it's going to be a week. But either I'm going to break or this sickness is going to break. And if I know anything, I know I'm not going to break. I'm talking about some old school prayer. And she said when she got down to the bottom, she fell on her knees. And as soon as she fell on her knees, the Lord spoke to her and said, go back to the hospital. I just healed your daughter. She goes back to the hospital, walks in, and her daughter who hadn't eaten in days is sitting up eating applesauce saying, Mama, I feel so much better. I don't know what happened. I'll tell you what happened. Somebody started praying. Somebody shout hallelujah. That's what Jesus meant when he said, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. That's what the Bible meant when it said there was a woman that got up in the middle of the night and went to the door of the judge and kept beating on it till somebody opened this door. I want to know, is there anybody that still got some of that old Pentecostal spirit of prayer in y'all that says, I'll beat on this door for the... <laughs> talking about prayer well some of y'all looking at me like I'm speaking Latin it's me again Lord because what's happening in my life ain't your will and it's got to go some of y'all you know what some of y'all just need y'all some of y'all just need to get good and ticked off <laughs> you not ever prayed in anger I have I've had enough of this glory to God you with me? Don't be anxious for anything. But by prayer. And then he takes it a step deeper. And supplication. And supplication. Supplication is a step deeper. Supplication means you get prostrate. And you submit to the plan. Because either you can fight it. Or God can fight it, but you can't both fight it at the same time. Supplication means, supplication means I'm going to humble myself. And Lord, I give it to you. I don't mean in your words. Because we say that, I just give it to the Lord. I see you 30 minutes later, you're still stressed out. You didn't give anything. You said you did. But when you supplicate, Because God cannot move in what you will not commit. You not ever had something weigh on you so heavy that I've, I've done it before. I've done it physically. I've went to prayer and I said, God, get this off of me. Because I can't take it anymore. And I'm supplicating. Whatever your plan is, I don't know. 
either you'll deliver me from it or you'll bless me through it. But either way, I'm not carrying it anymore. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Then let your requests be made known to God. Prayer, supplication, thanksgiving. Thanksgiving means you stand in the middle of what the enemy's trying to steal. And you thank God for it. Today, I got a, we got the email on our lease. I didn't actually get the email first. I got a text from Ken. She said, you got the lease. Open it and said, Thank you. Lord, before I do anything, before I email anybody, thank you. When was the last time you took a whole day and just walked around and said, Lord, thank you. You know why we don't do that? Because anxiety is stealing it from us. Because we don't thank him for stuff that we think we might lose later. Don't get too thankful and secure in that job because you never know. You got to be thankful even when it don't look like much. You got to be thankful with what you got. Because if you'll be thankful for what you got, he'll multiply. The five loaves and the two fishes didn't look like much either. But when they gave them to Jesus, your Bible says Jesus lifted it up and said, Lord, thank you. And then after he was thankful, it multiplied. Prayer, supplication, thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. And then the peace of God that passes understanding will guard your heart and your mind. He said when you pray and you supplicate and you're thankful and you get it off of you, peace comes and peace acts as a fortress around your head. And peace acts as a fortress around your spirit. And it's not just peace. It is the peace In other words, you start acting about the situation the way God acts about the situation. (laughs) The best picture I can think of is when Peter is on the boat and Jesus is asleep. You know the story? Peter was a professional fisherman. He had been in many storms. He had been in more storms than Jesus. And when the professional was nervous, You ever been on an airplane and started hitting turbulence? And you're like, oh, dang, it's going down. This is it. This is how I end. This is is my story. And then the pilot comes on. Ladies and gentlemen, we're experiencing some light chop. You're like, what? Light chop? I feel like we're falling out of the sky. But when the pilot walks out and he's purple... My, my mother-in-law used to have a private plane that we'd fly on it. And those private planes, they look sexy. They're not. Every time the wind blows, you feel like you're about to die. And we'd be going through, they'd be bumping around. And the pilot would always look back and say, y'all okay? As long as you okay, <laughs> I'm okay. But if you start freaking out, might have a problem back here too, bro. So this professional fisherman who's been this way before, had never seen anything like this, runs down to the boat, and Jesus is asleep. 
Because the peace of God, when it's working in your life, is oxymoronic. You're supposed to be sinking, but you're sleeping. You're supposed to be stressed out, but you're shouting about it. I've seen people walk in such peace that even I look at them and say, ain't you worried? No. And But if, if you notice Peter's life, Peter learns a lesson on the boat. Because later on in Peter's life, in Acts chapter number 12, the Bible says that Peter is set to be crucified the very next day. And you know where we find Peter in Acts chapter 12 after he's supposed to be beheaded the next day? Your Bible says that he is between four quaternions of soldiers. That's 16 soldiers all around him. Your Bible says he's asleep. You think Peter learned something about faith that day on the boat? You think Peter noticed, I watched my master handle some situations like this, and now I'm going to handle some situations like this. And when the peace of God comes on you, when everybody else around you is freaking out, you have this ability to stay still. You have the ability to sleep through what wakes everybody else up because the peace of God is oxymoronic. I like to say it this way, calm is contagious. And so is panic. You ever got upset about something? Didn't know why? Everybody's freaking out. I freak out too. We do that. Oh, God. We do that all the time on (laughs) when you watch the news. I've got people calling me. Stock market's crumbling. You don't even know what the stock market is. Stop. You got $14 invested in Apple. You're going to be fine. You lost six cents today, brother. You lost six cents. It's going to rebound. But they turn on the news. America's going down. It's shutting down. It's the peace of God that passes understanding. Mounts a guard over your mind. So anxiety can't get in. So you need the peace of God to be your defense. But that's not where the story ends. Then he said, finally. After you've seen it with some balance, and after you've went to God, are y'all with me this morning? And after you've went to God in prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, and peace has come on you, and you've committed it to the Lord, and now peace has created a fortress around you. Now, whatever is pure, lovely, just, of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, start thinking on these things. In other words, now that you've got anxiety off of you, you got to reprogram your mind. You need to start seeing yourself as I am successful, I am blessed, I am going to get the loan for the house. I I am going to get the loan for the car. I am going to get the raise at work. I'm not getting fired. I'm not getting laid off. I'm going to walk in the blessing. I had to fight this fight. I've, we've never done this before. I've never, I've never done this before. So when we went to ask for that building, I had to fight the mentality that said, you ain't going to get it. Don't know why. We got the money. We got the P&L. We got the credit. We got whatever we need. But just something that says, you ain't going to get it. So the enemy wants to steal something. And if he can't steal the thing, he will steal the joy that God wants you to have about the thing that God gave you. So some of you, God's blessed you, but you can't even celebrate it, right? Because deep down inside, you're afraid it's going to be lost. And I'm here to tell you that's anxiety, and anxiety is a liar. You don't just need to be thankful for the thing. You need to have the joy that God wants you to have over the thing that he blessed you with. We are programmed for fear. 
We are programmed for worry. We are programmed for anxiety. And if the enemy can't steal it from you, he will at least steal the peace you're supposed to have. I know people, I know people that when they get money, the more money they get, the more freaked out they get. Because they think they're going to lose it. They get a new job and can't celebrate. You ever had God do something in your life so significant and then be so gripped with fear that you were going to lose it? That other people are celebrating and you can't? Am I talking to anybody in the house? Because you're thinking, well, this is too good to be true. There's something to this. It ain't going to last. It ain't going to last. There's no way. There's no way little old me gets to walk in this kind of blessing. There's no way little old me gets to, hold, gets to live at this kind of level. <laughs> Some of you, your experience has taught you that brokenness is normal. Right? Experience has conditioned you to be like that. It's like when a lady is pregnant for the first time and her body starts changing and it freaks her out. I've learned, if I've learned anything about women being pregnant, my wife's been pregnant three times. Whatever you're going through, it's normal. We get, got pregnant with our first baby. We go to the doctor. Her ankles are swelling. It's normal. Doc, she's gaining weight. It's normal. Doc, she's got a third arm growing out from her armpit. Normal. Every pregnancy is different. It's normal. Because he knows something I don't know. He knows what's normal and I don't. And what's normal for the believer is not that you walk in brokenness and broken thinking and be gripped by anxiety your entire life. There are, tell me if you know what I'm talking about when I say this. There are things that I've been through and things you've been through. You guys can come on up. That if I had it to do over again, it's not that I wouldn't have went through them. I would have changed how I went through them. Because there were things that I was so scared of because of the voice of anxiety that I couldn't even enjoy the process of getting to the place where God was taking me. Y'all know what I mean? And so when you get to the end and you wipe your brow and you say, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Wouldn't you have liked to have known that at the front end? So you could have rested and enjoyed it a little bit? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? That's anxiety. And he's saying, this is what you got to do. You got to commit it to him. And then you got to get a hold of your mind. And you don't ever let those. My God. Velvet sugar, what happened? You can't take Blake anywhere, I swear. <laughs> I love him. He's, I love him to death. I pick on him because I love him. <laughs> Blake, you made me forget where I was at. <laughs> Dear God, stand up on your feet. <laughs> Listen to me. <laughs> Leading them up to a moment. <laughs> Leading them to the to the crescendo. Now comes Blake. Anxiety is a liar. And it's not God's will. 
and God blesses you, I want you to be able to detect that fear that comes on you. You know what they call it? Buyer's remorse. You know what it is? Anxiety. Oh, God, I ain't going to be able to pay for this. Oh, God, I ain't going to be able to do this. Oh, God, I'm going to lose my job now. You've had that job for 29 years. Oh, God, I'm going to get fired now. Bought a new house, going to get fired. My kids are going to grow up, turn to a life of crime. <laughs> I'm going to have to live under a bridge for the rest of my life. That's fear. Fear is a liar. God doesn't just want you to have the blessing. God wants you to have the joy that the blessing brings with it. God wants you to have the peace that the blessing brings with it. And anxiety is stealing it from us. I don't want to get to the end of my life and look at everything God did for me and then regret that I didn't thank him and praise him along the way because fear made me shut up. Hear what I'm saying? Moving into this building, our rental increased just barely. I mean, just barely. Not even $1,000, I don't think. But I had to fight them. Great, we're going to move in and everybody's going to quit coming. I'm going to have to sell my kids. <laughs> I will sell the dog if anybody needs a dog. Fear. Be anxious for nothing. This is how extreme Jesus took this message. Give no thought for tomorrow. Don't even think about it. He said, you worried about your, your money? You worried about your money? Even the sparrows. Listen to what he said. Even the sparrows don't put into the storehouse. That's tithing language. Even the sparrows don't tithe and I take care of them. What am I going to do to somebody that's trying to obey me in every aspect of their life? Consider the lilies. They don't even work. Look how God's blessing them. When anxiety attacks, you attack back with the peace of God. I want our prayer team to come. Jason, our, this is our prayer area over here. I want you to lift your hands to him this morning. Father, we thank you. Lift your hands to him. Father, we thank you. Yeah, sing it, Emily. Just for a few moments, church, sing it. Lift those hands up to him. Jesus. Yeah, sing it. Come on. If you've been wrestling with anxiety, you've been gripped by worry, you've been gripped by fear, God wants to break that off of you today. God wants to break that off of you today. 
He wants your peace to come back. He wants your joy to come back. He wants your smile to come back. He wants your lightheartedness to come back. Some of you, that job changed you and that new house changed you and the weight of that uh, and the weight of life changed you. God wants to break that off of you. He wants to give you the oil of joy for the spirit of heaviness. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. If you need prayer this morning, if I'm talking to you and you say anxiety has had its grip on me and it's stolen my joy and it's stolen my peace, I want you to get out of your seat and I want you to come over here to our prayer area and we're going to minister to you. Come on, sing it, Emily. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church slash give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.